everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest is Mike Cahill. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great, Anthony. Well, thank you so much for being here. You and I go way back. You know, we do. It's, it's almost like every time I think about it, we go even further back. Yeah, yeah. It's like an onion. You peel back the layer, and there's a tower bank layer, and there's another layer. Right before that, and then you get a little bit nervous about going too far deep. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get in quite that deep today, but we will talk about some of that, and we're going to spend a lot of time on your new job. You have a new position as of January 1. Absolutely. You're thinking of an old dog trying to learn a new trick here. <laughs> so were, were you trying to retire at some point? I, you know, I actually officially retired in September of 2020. Okay. And somebody asked how long you're retiring for, and I said, anywhere from six months to from now on. All right. Okay. Uh, I was perfectly comfortable with that. Yeah. And I, I got a call from the University of St. Francis about nine months later, Yeah. seeing if I wanted to be a professor over uh-huh. there. Yeah. And that was kind of like in between, right? Yeah. Not retired, but retired. Sure. And so I did that starting in the fall of 21. Yeah. And then I got an unusual (laughs) text last summer that led me where I am today. All right. So we will will make that the cliffhanger part of the show. (laughs) We'll come back to that. But we want to start at the beginning and talk about your career path. You've had a genuinely a very well-respected career path. You've done a lot of things. You've done them well. But let's talk about when you were deciding what you were going to do with your life. What did that look like and how direct a path was that to the careers you pursued or did you take a winding path along the way? It's a great question. And and the best way to start it out is when people say, talk about your career, I said, I have a collage. (laughs) I don't have a career. (laughs) Yeah. And then there was a gentleman, uh, a great guy in town. His name is John Lovell. A lot of people know him, yeah. uh, industrial psychologist. He said, Mike, you're, you have a spiral path career. Mm-hmm. Luckily, he says it's usually spiraling up, not down. <laughs> yeah. But uh, really, how it started out, I, uh, I'm, I'm a bean counter out of the University of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, how I became a bean counter talks about kind of how my career progressed. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't go to school to become an accountant. Mm-hmm. I went to school, wasn't sure what to do, didn't want to be an engineer. Yep. Went to the business school, and they just said, take a lot of accounting. Mm-hmm. So become an accountant. Yeah. So I did. And everybody, I graduated 210 people. 200 went into what was then the big eight accounting firms. Yeah. I started working for Ernst & Young. Why? Because mm-hmm. that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah, sure. That is all the thought I gave it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think a lot of people take that path. Yeah. When I got there, uh, great, great experience, mm-hmm. but I got really interested in real estate. Okay. Uh, from, from clients, construction, real estate. Yeah. Got a call, Fort Wayne, Indiana, for a big developer here. Mm-hmm. And one of the best moves ever, I went to work for a gentleman by the name of Tom Eckridge. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Tom was my father's age. Okay. And I wasn't working directly for Tom. Yeah. But I had the opportunity to start working for Tom when I was 27. And mm-hmm. he really changed my life, my view on life. He changed me from an accountant to more of a business person. So what did he impart in you to the extent you can articulate that, that sure. kind of changed that trajectory? Uh, number one, he forced me to go back and get additional education uh-huh. okay. in different areas. That was one. Mm-hmm. Second, he introduced me and brought me along to all sorts of yep. meetings with all sorts of people. It didn't matter if it was zoning, yep. financing, personnel. It was just that overall exposure because he wanted to develop 
people. Yeah. Well, I think only later, like now that I've gotten old, I realize what a gift that is because it takes logistical time and effort. It's a risk because hopefully the person doesn't (laughs) (laughs) reflect poorly on you when they're there next to you. So that's a great thing. Um, And that was, where were you, what was the company you were working for? It was called, it was called North Hill Development Corporation, uh-huh. yeah. but uh, here for people here in town, they did stuff out of state too. But okay. here in town, Canterbury Green Apartments, Stone mm-hmm. Point Apartments, Arbor Lakes, Willows okay. Country, Point Emerus, Point Emerus Office Buildings, Sycamore Hill Subdivision, okay. North Point Wood Subdivision. It was all things real estate when everything was kind of happening the first time in Fort Wayne back uh-huh. in the 80s. Okay. All right. So you you do that for how long? I and was, then what, why do you decide to make a change? Sure. I did that for about uh, – I was there for a little over five, six years yep. with Tom. Uh, he ran into some financial difficulties, which mm-hmm. is actually how we got to be introduced. Mm-hmm. I did the work that showed him he was getting in trouble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which, <laughs> you know – Hey, here's the facts, and he was good about it. Yeah. Well, he uh, didn't shoot the messenger. No, clearly, he did not. So, no, yeah. he really encouraged. <laughs> we actually, I was in London, England, raising equity monies at age 27 with Tom Eckert. Wow. Because wow. of it. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, went to work for what is, but the guy named Sturgis Griffin and Trent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now Sturgis Development. Yep. Yeah. In the 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of kept on that path, a little sure. bit more local, a little bit more rounded. So this is commercial real commercial estate. Commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, they did a lot of hospital work back then. And in uh-huh. the 90s, mm-hmm. the hospitals were buying physician practices. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I started doing evaluation, valuing physician practices and their buildings and helping out what was back then Lutheran Local, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Parkview Local, and Ancilla Systems, which back then was the oh, parent yeah. of St. Joe, and started doing that all over northern Indiana. Okay, yeah. And of all things, I saw an ad for... PHP, Physicians Health Plan, was looking for a CFO. Mm-hmm. Caught my attention when I'm like, I'm a real estate guy, I'm a finance yeah. guy, that's not me. Yeah. I had three or four friends call me and said, Mike, that, did you see that ad? Did you see it? Yeah. And that's how old I am. Sometimes it's an ad in the paper I yeah. saw. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the universe taps you on the shoulder. Yeah. And I, I applied mm-hmm. and I became chief financial officer of PHP. Really got me involved in health insurance, insurance mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, great experience. And once again, the gentleman I worked for, his name was Jay Gilbert. He was the CEO. Mm-hmm. He developed me. He had me represent PHP on all the industry things yep. in the country, et cetera. Awesome experience. Uh, went off, was a consultant. Decided to take the risk to be a consultant. Mm-hmm. Had a couple of clients lined off. It was going so well that I was busy all the time, working about <laughs> yeah. 80 hours a week. Yeah. Went out of the blue. I get a call from a gentleman by the name of Don Shankle. Uh-huh. So we haven't even gotten to banking yet. No. We're going to get to banking. We're yeah. going to get to banking. Okay. And uh, Don Shankle and I worked for Tom Eckridge back yep. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And he was the CEO of Tower Bank here in mm-hmm. town. Mm-hmm. And he calls me and says, Mike, would you be interested in being CFO mm-hmm. at Tower Bank? Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, local company. I've been CFO before. Mm-hmm. I was publicly traded. Yep. And I've always been fascinated with the bank because I've been the borrower, right? Sure, sure. I've been the professional borrower. Yeah. So I said, definitely better to be the entity with money than the borrower. You know, payrolls, I can see payroll. Beautiful thing. Yeah. And actually, there's a funny story about this when I was going to do it. Uh, I was talking to my wife about it. I said, you know, I got to do this, but I I don't know what's going to happen to the bank. She goes, well, you know, what what if the bank sells? What if Mm -hmm. something happens? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you going to do? And I said, well, look who's on the board. I said, you know what? If I go in there and I do a good job, no matter what happens, yeah. I'm going to be sitting here in path. town. Yeah. But because she's my spouse and she knows me, she goes, yeah, but what if you suck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm-hmm. go, oh, we'll have to move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like I said, sometimes the universe has <laughs> on your shoulder. Sometimes it's your wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Many times. Yeah. Uh, but, but I'll tell you what, 
the bank was really a kind of a culmination for me because community banks, about a third of all the loans in community banks are real estate related. Mm. And I was a professional borrower uh, okay. on the real estate side yeah. for a long, long time. So that yeah. was super helpful. And I had been on a lot of foundation boards, investment committees. Mm-hmm. So the rest of the bank is how do you invest your monies, yeah. et cetera. So it really kind of brought things together, and I was there for ten years. And, and to tell the truth, if they had not sold the bank, I'd still be sitting there. Yeah. And you were eventually right CEO out I, of the I, CFO. Yeah, seat. I started yeah. as CFO. Within two years, I was CEO of the main subsidiary, and two years later, I was CEO of the whole yeah. corporation. Matter of fact, I used to joke I, back then when it was IPFW. Mm-hmm. I used to go speak to their society, and they always, "How do you become president of a bank?" I used to tell them, "I go, apparently, don't work for one as long as possible," <laughs> <laughs> and that seemed to do the trick, but. Uh, what it, what it, all along the way, what it did for me was it showed me that you had to surround yourself with people that knew things that you didn't know. Because mm-hmm. let's say mm-hmm. I'm at the bank two years. I'm CEO of the main subsidiary. It doesn't make me an expert in anything. Oh, sure, sure. And I was lucky. Tom Eckrich, mm-hmm. Don Schenkel, Jay Gilbert mm-hmm. all lived that. Yeah. And they yeah. showed me that. Yeah. And it allowed me to become successful in that realm. Yeah. So Tower Bank is sold. Yes. And then you have a pivot at that point. What does that look like for you? It, it was an unusual pivot. Yeah. Just because two days before the official sale of Tower to Old National, yep. all, all smooth, uh, Centier Bank mm-hmm. asked me to get on their board. Yeah. And so I had to get approval from Tower and Old <laughs> National to get on Centier's yeah. board because they're out of Maryville. They sure. weren't, weren't here local. Etc. And I had a non-compete agreement mm-hmm. for two years, so I became the CEO of the AWS Foundation, mm-hmm. their first. Mm-hmm. So CEO. tapping into that experience you yes. had serving on boards, yep. And I'd been involved with them all along. Mm-hmm. And the idea back then was I was going to really get AWS Foundation started up, and hey, maybe that's the right thing for me, or at the very least, let's get it going. Yep. It would burn off my non-compete, mm-hmm. and then I was going to become. Possibly the president of Centier Bank. Aha, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> and, and everybody was aware of that when you started with yes. the AWS Foundation. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we'll just see how it plays out. Yeah. And uh, by chance, uh, time goes on. I'm kind of watching Centier. Great, great folks. Uh, don't get me wrong. But my son's still a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and I didn't mm-hmm. really want to move. Yeah. And lo and behold, I get a call from PHP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they had gone – been on some tougher times mm-hmm. for a while, and they really are coming up short with a CEO. Yep. And they reached out, and next thing you know, I am the CEO of PHP. Yeah. <laughs> kind of back to uh, yeah. back to the beginning. Uh, great group of people. Mm-hmm. And, and take those lessons that you learn, right? Mm-hmm. You have great people. You get them direction. You give them the resources, and they did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. 17 and 18 were record years yeah. Yeah. for PHP. Uh, great folks, mm-hmm. and uh, once again, that's where I was going to retire from. <laughs> yeah, and then I get a call from Mark Music at Ruoff. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> and Mark was interested in either becoming a bank, starting a bank, mm-hmm. something in banking. Mm-hmm. And for seven months, I told him no, I wouldn't join him. But I was I was more than happy to help him. And I sure, was helping him. Sure. Uh, and if you, anyone gets to know Mark, uh, remarkable individual, incredibly focused, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, a sponge learning things. Mm-hmm. And he, as my wife said, he caught me in a weak moment. I chuckle about that. But I, I decided to join him. Yeah. And uh, let's get this bank going. Mm-hmm. So I had to resign from the Centier board. They were really thrilled with me. <laughs> <laughs> 
for that. Yeah. I had to leave PHP. <laughs> yeah. They were really thrilled <laughs> yeah. with me for that. Uh, but Mark and his group and some people that joined me, we were the first mortgage banking group allowed mm-hmm. to get a bank charter in the United States since 2011. Oh, wow. Which tells you what they thought of Mark and his organization. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And the board that And what they created. thought about everybody else and, in the yeah. industry, yeah. You know, sometimes <laughs> I look better by comparison. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both, yeah. <laughs> Overall. Uh, but I, I understand, but Mark at the last minute, not last, you know, just that, you know, he, he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, are you mad? And I said, I go, mad's not the right. I said, I'm disappointed, of course, because that's sure. what I came here to do. Sure. But Mark, you got to sleep at night. Yeah, yeah. And it's your company. Oh, sure, sure. If you can't sleep at night. Well, and I'm sure that in a way, you, you might not have learned more than you would have had it gone through, but you definitely learned some things that were beneficial. Yeah, and I think that's the key. If you kind of look at the whole thing, yeah. that was a startup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I learned oh, yeah. the startup of a yeah. bank. Yeah. I had to actually go all the way to D.C. and meet with the FDIC chairman. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was key. I went to Tower Bank five years in, so growing it, and they had some trouble, so yeah. I had to go through sure. that. Uh, so it really did come full circle for me. Yeah, but uh, from there I was going to actually I was going to retire yep. then mm-hmm. from Ruoff, mm-hmm. uh, but I was on a board of Gibson Insurance, mm-hmm. a big insurance agency out of uh, yep. South Bend. Yep. Other offices: Indy, Fort Wayne, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, and they were going through some changes. Mm-hmm. Their CFO had moved on; they had lost some other people. They yep. really knocked on the Fort Wayne market going. So they asked me if I'd kind of come in on an interim basis, be CFO, get them squared away, mm-hmm. and get the market going here. So, mm-hmm. sure, yep, I'll do it. Yep, got it done. Nine months later, I did retire. Yeah, okay. And how long did that last? <laughs> well, like I said, uh, I, I was truly retired yeah. until the following August. Okay. And that's when I started teaching. So that was a step back into some kind of predictable work, but it's not full-time. It's basically... I, I hate to say this because I, I don't want to upset faculty members out there, yeah. but I described it as 24-7, yeah. 24 hours a week, seven months a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. It's not bad work. No, it, it, get it. It, it was good. Yeah. So what was that experience like? Because you, had you taught before? I know you were, I, you were graciously a guest speaker at a class that, that I taught, and you did some of that. But did you ever teach classes I, I had I had been an adjunct mm-hmm. for a class two different semesters okay. many years ago. Yeah. Um, and it intrigued me. As, as you know, uh, Anthony, we were, we were on the board yeah. uh, trustees over at Indiana Tech. Yep. And I was very involved in Butler University mm-hmm. in an advisory board. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things, as you know, going on in higher ed. And yeah, I was just sure. fascinated. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? It gives me a chance to connect with students. I always like that. That's kind yeah. of fun. Oh, yeah. And maybe get a better feel for what's going on in the university yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I I teach, but it's more on the on the non credit side now. But I it it definitely keeps you young in a way that sounds like a cliche, but it's absolutely true. And it is the most difficult from a public speaking standpoint. The most difficult audience you are ever in front of is a group <laughs> of college students because they do not take any BS. If if you do not know your stuff, they will call you on it every single time. Oh, absolutely. And then the other, if since COVID, when yeah. they used online, yeah. You better make it worth their while to actually Absolutely. show up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. All right. So you teach for a spell. Mm-hmm. And then what comes next? Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there. It's in the summer. I'm in, I mean, I'm in great shape now. You know, I've had two summers off, yeah. three summers off. And I get a text message from the uh, managing partner at uh, BKD or, or Forvis mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And it just says, are you interested in becoming a bank CEO? <laughs> and I responded, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, what are your objections? I said, well, 
I said, I'm not moving. Oh, you don't have to. And I said, I am not fixing another company. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. He goes, oh, no, don't have to fix it. Yeah. I said, well, they have to have the capital. What's the catch? Yeah. They got to have the capital <laughs> to grow. And he goes, they just converted and went public. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I agreed to go meet with the board mm-hmm. members. And you are the five people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And there's five board members. Mm-hmm. And they are the most dynamic group of individuals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and keep in mind, if I went through who the board members at Tower were, those are really dynamic yeah, individuals. Sure. But these five are not only dynamic individuals, but working partners, friends, interested in the community, all these things, contagious. Mm-hmm. And they really sat there and said, Mike, we want to convert from being a thrift, kind of like a savings loan. Yeah to be a regional commercial bank, mm-hmm. and we're looking for you to get us that underpinning, that foundation, mm-hmm. and get us in place. And they bought 33% of mm-hmm. the bank mm-hmm. as part of that public raise. Wow. Okay. And the rest, and the cool thing about the bank is it was a mutual, which is kind of like the credit union of banks. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but yeah. it was basically run for the basic benefit of the depositors. Mm-hmm. The shareholders in a conversion are the depositors get first shot. Okay. So basically, you have a Van Wert community-owned bank mm-hmm. and friends and family yeah. that wanted to become a regional mm-hmm. commercial bank because they wanted it to, to it to last. Yeah, yeah. So you know you have the commitment from yes. Yeah. Okay. And so suddenly, I felt like I was twenty-five. Yeah. Versus sixty-two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a path and then we'll come back. But sure. All this time you live in Fort Wayne, correct? Mm-hmm, correct. And, and you're in Fort Wayne when Fort Wayne is not what Fort Wayne is today. Absolutely. What, what keeps you here? Is that is it that you have young kids? Is it the the people you met? Is it the jobs you had? Is it all of those things, or is it something else? Uh, there, there's a couple themes in there. Just mm-hmm. uh, as I grew up, I lived in seven different cities, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so when someone says, "Where's your hometown?" I go, "I kind of know where my furniture might be." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Uh, so it was really important for me, for my kids, mm-hmm. to do the best I could to have them yep. live and grow up in the same town. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was a big piece of it. But you're right. When I came to Fort Wayne, it was 1985. Yeah. And Fort Wayne, there was a flood. Harvester had left. GM had just come in. But uh, this gentleman I worked for, Tom Eckridge, Fort Wayne went through a renaissance in the 80s, late mm-hmm. 80s into mm-hmm. the 90s. And people don't realize this because they kind of forget it. Yeah. Inc. Magazine, we were in the top 10 cities in the United States in the 80s. Oh, really? With Inc. Magazine. And something happened. And I, I, I was too young or yeah. too naive. Something happened in the 90s and into 2000. My gut's this. A lot of the big movers and shakers, mm-hmm. like an Ian Rowland, a Dick yeah. Dormer, were attached to corporations. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. corporations sold and moved. Yeah. yeah. And I think we lost some of that. But something hit me. Tom Eckers told me this way back when he goes, give me five entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I can change the face of a city. Mm. So think about Fort Wayne, what's happened in the 2000s. Yep. The Sweetwaters, the Fort Wayne Meadows, the Ruoffs. Yep. I mean, I go on and on, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Steel Dynamics, those mm-hmm. are three entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. It completely changed. And so what people see going on right now, mm-hmm. I used to get excited about that in Fort Wayne in the 80s. Yeah, wow. And so for me, it's kind of like the double pump. And actually what I worry about, I want to get those next players. Yeah, Who sure. are those people in their late 30s, yeah. 40s? They're mm-hmm. going to be the yeah. next generation. Yeah. 
and, and so that excitement's on, almost kind of built for me, and that's what's got me here. Yeah, well, that's that's really inter- interesting perspective, and I hadn't heard it because I, you know, everything that I've heard, and I, I moved to Northeast Indiana relatively later than you. It was like the late 1990s. And everything I've heard is, well, it started with Parkview Field, but it sounds like it was an evolution that had, you know, about a decade headwind at least prior to that, maybe a couple decades. Yeah. Like I said, uh, I was not here when things went south, Yeah, but I was there for the first ascension. Yeah. And I'll call the malaise mm-hmm. of loss mm-hmm. of leadership. Yeah. And then it catches fire. And I give a lot of people, it was the uh, regional partnership, yeah. Greater Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. although it was a lot of people from whether it be government, quasi-economic, uh, corporate, yeah. really getting together and pulling together. Yeah. Uh, kudos to them. I, I got to ride the coattails. Yeah. I was not part of making it happen. Yeah. Well, you're probably not going to accept this compliment, <laughs> but you were part of that, being an executive who stayed in town, and there was some continuity in your relationships, and that that helped build Fort Wayne into what it is. Hopefully you'll you'll see some of that or checks in the mail. <laughs> checks in the mail. <laughs> All right. So enough enough hagiography of my kale. Um, let's move on to where you are now. So sure. the organization you're working for, Van Wert Federal Savings Bank. That's right. Mouthful. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, tell me what it's all about, why you're excited to be part of it, and what your, to the extent you can share things sure. that aren't proprietary, what your plans are for getting your role off the ground. Sure. And, and I'll, I'll share everything. There, I always laugh about those people say, oh, why would you share their, your strategy? I'm like, you can share strategy all you want. you got to execute on yeah. it. Yeah, so sure. So really what we're about, the way, but the way I've described it to our board is this. We are starting up a commercial bank from scratch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... We are integrating a long-standing thrift of the Van Wert market. Mm-hmm. They've been there since 1889 mm-hmm. into the commercial bank. We want to keep doing what we're doing in Van Wert and actually expand from there yeah. and create a, a commercial regional bank mm-hmm. all the same time. That's my charge over the next five years, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And what am I really excited about is if you can't, dominate your hometown. And I'll give kudos to Lake City Bank. Mm-hmm. If you go to Warsaw, Indiana, yeah. they have a 50% deposit market share. Really? Yeah. You A first merchants bank, mm-hmm. Muncie, mm-hmm. they have a 40% mm-hmm. in Muncie market share. Mm-hmm. I want Van Wert Federal Savings Bank to be that dominant a bank in Van Wert County mm-hmm. because it's good for the county. Yeah. If you, if you don't have financial institutions making the decisions there, sure. it's not going to happen. Sure. And... I really think that what's happened in the Fort Wayne market is we have plenty of fine banks, fine bankers, but everyone's getting bigger again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so suddenly, mm-hmm. who's going to – are you going to be able to see the president of a bank when yeah. you want a $500,000 loan, yeah. a million-dollar loan, a $3 million loan? Mm-hmm. Probably not. I mean, you're going to have to go through committees and everything. And that's – don't get me wrong. That's not a knock on anybody, mm-hmm. but there's a gap now. Oh, sure. And when I talk about those entrepreneurs and the startups and where you can really make a connection mm-hmm. where who you are matters, yeah. not who you, what you look like on a piece of paper in a committee yeah. meeting, I think there's an opportunity again. 
Yeah, well, and and that's always been the biggest point of difference in Fort Wayne, in my experience, is the accessibility of people. Um, You know, I I always say this kind of jokingly that when I moved to Fort Wayne, not because I'm anything special, but just because of how the city is, there were multiple times where the mayor held the door open for me walking in somewhere. In Massachusetts, where I grew up, there were people whose full-time job was keeping people like me away from the mayor. So you don't want to lose that. And I'm sure, you know, it's a strength in Van Wert County too is that connectivity and that accessibility of people oh ab- absolutely mm-hmm. and uh you know in many of uh, the board in van word i kind of joke is you know if you stay in one town and get old it's amazing the connectivity and <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know about you whenever i get on a plane coming back to fort wayne yeah i expect to know everyone on the plane pretty much pretty but much yeah i always know somebody yeah yeah and it's 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 i call it, it's the big small town mm-hmm. yeah and and it's thirty. It's thirty-five miles from downtown Van Wert yeah. to downtown Fort Wayne. Yeah. Well, it's someone that you and I have as a friend in common, Adam Bartram. We had breakfast yep. this morning, and I said to Bartram, "I said, oh, you're you're seeing it. You're starting to. You've hung around, and now you're getting old, and good things are happening." <laughs> and I said to him, "It helps that you've got some gray around your temples oh. now, because now you're a sage, you know, old person." <laughs> my, my problem is, you know, I got to the gray stage. Now it's just leaving. The hair is gone. You know, it's, it's so sad. Well, that's when you become the Buddha. Yeah. So okay, it's, it's an upgrade, yeah. But, but it's funny, uh, there's a gentleman in town, good, uh, just a wonderful gentleman. His name's Don Schenkel. Yeah. And I remember when he started Tower, he was 58 or 59. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I went to Don and said, you know, that makes sense. Instead of six degrees of separation, it's like 1.1 mm-hmm. for Don. Because yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's somebody he doesn't know. I don't know who they are. Yeah. But, you know, you get to that same age and stage, and it's like, I, I tease Don now. It wasn't all that impressive, Don. Now I get it. <laughs> but, boy. But, yeah. but it's an important piece. Let's face it. At the end of the day. Yeah. Um, access to capital. Oh, sure. And confidence mm-hmm. and kind of keeping things. And access to influence. People it, who can, you know, help. make stuff move. Even if even if they're not, you know, if they don't have the biggest bank account, people who can influence those who do. Or just a lot of times, who can I get you introduced to that's going to help you? Correct. I, yeah. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's just for fun. sure. And it's, it's one of my favorite things to do. And it's one of the easiest things I do. Oh. Here's someone you don't know. Good right. luck. <laughs> yeah, everybody goes, how'd you do that? I go, uh, I typed an email for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. It was real yeah. tough. Yeah, yeah. So this is the Asher Marketing Podcast. Yes. So I want to throw out a marketing question. What is your plan, to the extent that you can share it, to build the name in the markets where you want to sure. become known? No, it's a, kind of a tiered process. So mm-hmm. it's going to start out because you're going to be known by your banker. Yeah, sure. It's not, sure. It's not going to be, you're not going to go to, mm-hmm. it's not like we're Chase. Yeah. You're going to go to see... Mike Cahill. Mm-hmm. Just hired a young man from Premier Bank, Tyler Mason. Mm-hmm. You know Mike. You know Tyler. Mm-hmm. You know the board members. Mm-hmm. That's how it's going to start. Yep. So still a relationship business. D- definitely a relationship. Then we're really kind of, which a lot of this is your influence. You got me started on this 12, 15 years ago. Social media. It's amazing what a following you can build up yeah. from that a little bit as you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have to do the real world stuff. Still got, still got yep. to do the real world stuff. Get involved in the community, make people aware, and actually help. What I would say is I want the customer or the client to call me first, whether it's for a movie recommendation. Yeah. Do you know a good insurance mm-hmm. agent? Yeah. Uh, I just want to be seen as that community uh, yeah. resource yeah. and reach out that way when it's all said and done. And at the level we're going to be at, once you get to, and this is very, very rough, once you're borrowing more than five, six, seven million dollars, mm-hmm. You have the financial people on your in your organization. All I am is money in a vault. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My rate is my only differentiator. Yeah, yeah. 
below that, I've been in their seat. Mm-hmm. I've been the CFO. I've been the controller. I've been the CEO. On the yep. other side, I can offer you advice, connections, mm-hmm. ways to go about doing things that make a big difference. And that's kind of the space we can be in up until we get to probably about a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And we're at 150 million right now. So we yeah. got some, some yeah. runway. So I'm going to ask this question as respectfully as I can answer it, <laughs> but you've been retired. So, you know, as someone who is in the ballpark of retirement age, mm-hmm. is part of the task kind of grooming that next generation that's going to step into your shoes and move things forward? Absol- Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, Kind of address that on both ends. Yeah. Uh, what I found when I retired yeah. was that the people my wife and I naturally have been hanging around with were had kids the same age mm-hmm. as ours. And because my wife and I are such great planners, I have a 38-year-old and a 22-year-old <laughs> and two in between that. And so yeah. my 22-year-old, his parents, who we've been hanging around with mm-hmm. for years, right, mm-hmm. are 54. Mm-hmm. 55, they're not going to retire for another five to 10 years. Yeah, yeah. So I want to stay at it. But my goal is exactly what you said. I want to groom the next generation of leaders. I want to bring them in, develop them, get them groomed. I, I could tease the folks at Tower. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, the people at Tower are in influential people. I was going to say, all you can see those, those tentacles kind of in the community. And I tease them all because they're probably uh, on the young side – yeah. They might be late 30s. Mm-hmm. Old side, they might be 50. Mm-hmm. And I kind of said, I want to do Tower again, only you guys are way too old, so I'm going to get some new people. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you so, – so there's a temptation for someone as well-connected as you are to just kind of go back to the well. Here's people I know. How are you guarding against that and being open to people you don't know who might bring in a new perspective? Uh, this is uh, – anyone listening on the HR side, don't pay attention to this. <laughs> uh, uh, my joke is if you're 40, you're dead. <laughs> But no, what I've really tried to do is go to the people that I used to work with and ask them for the up-and-comers, young people that Mm -hmm. they know. Mm -hmm. It's actually how I found Tyler. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tyler worked with my son who had worked with some folks. He'd worked for some folks at Centier Bank and the Credit, and I located where he was at. And what I basically said is I can have a few, not like me, but maybe within 10 years of my age. But what I'm really looking for is people in their late 20s. Mm -hmm into their late 30s, mm-hmm. that they're, they're going to take us someplace. Yeah, yeah. And I want to make sure there's a wide open field because what I said before, I was raising equity for a U.S. developer at age 27 yeah. and not because I deserved to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But getting those opportunities. Uh, I had an HR person once said, Mike, I'm at the age where I'm trying to get stuff. You're at the age of trying to hang on to stuff. Mm-hmm. I want a bunch of people that want to get stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And so that's well, my and protection. It sounds like it's kind of come full circle, right? You're yes. in the position that the Eckridges and the Schenkels were yeah. when you were getting started. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a it's a lot of fun to kind of pay it back. Yeah, that way. Yeah. And remember what I said about the community. Mm-hmm. If you don't keep cultivating, mm-hmm. you'll get that lull. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, we can't have that lull. Yeah. So five years from now, I plan on annoying them by being a board member. <laughs> yeah. And I'll go get fat on a beach somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. So how are you tapping into, because you've got a lot of interest, you have a lot mm-hmm. of experience. You're obviously putting a lot of your resources into what's happening at the bank. But how are you keeping involved in other things? If you are, <laughs> maybe you're saying, no, I was retired a little while ago. No, I don't want to be involved in other no, things. No, it's uh, what I, I mean, I was, when I retired, I was on nine boards mm-hmm. and I was the chair of four. Jeez. And... Reinventing the word no was good. So I really spent 
the next year getting off of mm-hmm. boards yeah. and yeah. finishing out my commitments mm-hmm. so I could kind of figure out what's yeah. next. And I think what's going to what – what's where I'm at next – I did this at some organizations is I don't necessarily need to be on that board. Mm-hmm. But I want to help those organizations locate the best board members yeah, sure. and help people in those organizations get the connections they need. You want to answer the phone. You don't want to go to the meeting. Right. Yeah. And so that's where I think I'm at right okay. now. Yeah. And it kind of it makes sense. So overall, if you think about it, is as I'm bringing these younger folks on, they can go sit on those boards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do those things. Yeah. And I think it does everybody a favor. Yeah. Well, and it, it helps them build relationships. It helps them kind of become known for what they want to be known for. And you can be efficient in how you're sharing what you know. Absolutely. Yeah. You said it better than I did. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should start asking questions and you answer for me. No, no. We're not going to do that at all. That's why I do this. All right. Well, let's pivot to a few more quick hit questions. Sure. Let's talk about careers. And you've kind of alluded to some good advice but what do you think is most important for folks who are looking to be successful in their career, fulfilled in their career? What have you learned that you think is worth passing on? Well, one thing just always comes to my mind, and uh, I never planned it this way, is uh, the elevation of my career came across every time there was a crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves tremendous growth. Everyone wants to get into the bandwagon. Hey, that's great. But you know what? No one runs into the burning building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's no competition going mm-hmm. into the burning building. Yeah. And you will learn – an incredible amount. You will be given amazing opportunities mm-hmm. uh, out of that, and you'll make bigger connections and a bigger impression on people. And I'll share a story that came out of this is uh, for people that remember the name Ian Rowland, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. longtime chairman CEO yep. of, uh, of uh, Lincoln. When I became the CEO at AWS, he was a very influential board member, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. And I went to Ian. I said, is it because of my time at Tower as CEO that, you know, I'm you said this is okay. He goes, Mike, I remember when you were 28 and on a task force with me at the chamber, mm-hmm. and you're the only one who did anything. Mm-hmm. So I bring that up just because, you know what? You don't have to be CEO. Mm-hmm. I made impressions on people yeah. at 25, 28, mm-hmm. 30 because I took a risk. I got involved. I pushed forward. Yeah. That's, that's my message. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's great. And you know, when when you think of people who aspire to be in leadership, and that term is kind of overused today, but people who aspire to leadership, they kind of wait for someone to give them permission to lead. It's like, no, do it in the job you're doing now. That's how you get there, is you demonstrate the ability by not really asking permission, not stepping on toes, right. but just doing things that demonstrate your leadership capacity. Then people go, oh, that person has the ability to do it for this organization. Uh, go back to in the 80s when I became CFO of a billion-dollar real estate company. Yeah. It's because I was watching cash flows in all these entities. And on my own, I just started to just do cash flows in them all. And I put up 70 entities, put it all together, and I'm like, oh. He's going to run out of money in 18 months. Mm-hmm. He might want to know that. <laughs> and yeah. I showed my boss. He goes, well, that's interesting. Why don't you show my boss? So I showed him. Yeah. And then they go, why don't you show Tom? Yeah. And they said, run into the burning building. Right. <laughs> and I showed Tom. Yeah. You know, and, like, and to Tom, he's like, we should talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So take that. Like you said, take the risk. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Don't ask for permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's, it's paid off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, many times. All right. So next quick hit question. You can take this one wherever you want to go with it. But what is a myth or misconception about some of the work you've done? It could be banking. It could be being a CEO. It uh, could be, you know, yeah, I, what, what's a myth or misconception you want to clear up? I, 
I, I scare people just because, well, you've had so many jobs. <laughs> And you've been in so many industries. You're like one of those millennials. <laughs> I did. I actually gave a talk years ago. It was called Fort Wayne's Oldest Millennial. <laughs> but, yeah. but but what I, what I wanted to see, and I'll start with a story. I was it was at a bank. I was at Tower, mm-hmm. and it was during the Great Recession. And I was with a banker, uh, one of my lenders, and he's like, "Oh, I'm really nervous, Mike." I'm like, "Well, what?" He goes, "Well, I've been a banker all my life. What am I going to do?" And I said, "Well, you're ex- expert in this, this, and the other thing." He goes, "Well, you don't have to worry about it. You're not a banker." It's a mindset. But if you think about it. Everything I've been involved in has been the financial services mm-hmm. industry. Yeah. Real estate is a financial product. Insurance is a financial product. Mm-hmm. Banking's a financial product. Even foundation work. Foundation was, mm-hmm. it's a fin- So there's a theme there. Yeah. And it also comes back to, um, uh, we can use the word leadership. I, I don't necessarily like that mm-hmm. term, but it is you coalesce a team mm-hmm. and you kind of present a vision to the team and allow them to make something happen. Yeah. That you can do in any industry. Mm-hmm. And if you, and in most industries, the game is not that difficult. Yeah. Executing it is, don't sure. get wrong. Sure. Insurance, what's the game? Well, I probably should charge more than I pay out in claims and expenses. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. <laughs> Banking, you know, I probably should earn more on loans than I pay on deposits <laughs> and overhead. Yeah, that, that might work. Yeah. That, but it sounds silly. Sure. But I think we make things more complex. Yeah. Well, everybody knows how to lose weight, right? Yeah. And it keeps people from trying, people are so afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Well, and some of it too, and I, I've seen this, I think, from a distance with the people you've surrounded yourself with. It's surrounding yourself with people who have different personalities than you do. You know, I the person who comes to mind who I think you are long connected to is Greg Stetner. Yeah. Greg is a quiet, deliberate, very thoughtful, very smart guy. The exact opposite of me. <laughs> but he, this podcast would have been over 20 yeah. minutes ago. If, yes. Because he's he is more deliberate and, and takes his time. But I think it, it really takes a little bit of courage to say, this person isn't like me. They bring skills I don't have, and I'm going to give them a seat at the table. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, Jay Gilbert gave me that opportunity at PHP. And this, I think subliminally we always say, hire people smarter than you, mm-hmm. but we don't. But I went to PHP as CFO, mm-hmm. and I had an actuary working for me, mm-hmm. an underwriter working for me, the marketing person. I'm like going, you know what? I'm not going to be an actuary. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get 20 years worth of underwriting experience. Yeah. They have to be smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it forced me to do it, Yeah, and there was no looking back after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one last question. And this doesn't have to be a tech tool, but what is something you use in your work? It could be a, tri- a trick, a hack, a tool that is important to you, that helps you be productive, efficient, effective, whatever you want to call it. could be something super obvious that you just think deserves another mention, or it could be something that people should know about. Uh, and this is nothing all that tricky. And this goes back to something I alluded to earlier. You helped me start to understand the use of social media mm-hmm. for business. Mm-hmm. And what works for me uh, was LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And through yourself and a couple other people, I've kind of mm-hmm. followed someone. And it's developed quite a following. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not many people on LinkedIn put out product. Mm-hmm. And they don't have a strategy to what they put out there. Mm-hmm. And just uh, this will be a humble brag, but when I announced on LinkedIn that I was going to Van Wert Federal yeah. Savings Bank, I have – right now I have 26,000 views. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Nothing special about me. Yeah. But – what I found, what I did is I put it on my app, yep. on my phone, and I like to be early for meetings. Yeah. So I have time to mm-hmm. like things, yeah. truly comment on mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. know what's going on. Yeah. And it really allows one to take that network and keep it in real time. Yeah. And it's not just 
how many people can I connect with. Yeah. But I'm talking about a true sure. personal connection, not sure. just. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's something I've actually, I think I've told you this, but I've used you as an example in LinkedIn classes that I've taught of someone who you don't spend a lot, this is no offense, but you don't spend a no. ton of time creating content. It's like, hey, here's a quote. I like it. Here's why. And you're in and out of it in maybe two minutes. Yep. But you're there every day. Right, and there's a there's a theme behind the things. Correct, and yet, matter of fact, you did one once, and I and it can be kind of funny. I remember one time someone was out in the Federal Reserve, yeah, and I posted and put the comment above it was, duh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) right. But it it draws people in Mm -hmm. and allows people to comment, yeah, as opposed to just a. You know, a brochure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's done with it as a means to an end. Absolutely. It is. I want this to be a nice positive bump with the people I have a real world connection with. So the next time we get together, they feel better about the relationship or they have a jumping off point for a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. It's part of a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, good luck in your new role. I'll need it. <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all we all will. We all will. But it's really great talking to you. We, we started this out by saying we wanted it to just sound like a conversation we were having, and I think we did that. Yeah, me, me too. You just need to have some beverages in front of us. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> well, good. thank you very much. Thanks for doing it. Hey, thanks for having me, Anthony. Appreciate and, it. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We'll be back next time with another great guest, and we hope you'll join us then. 